Hello, and welcome to Dissecting a Frog, a podcast about writing, performing, and producing comedy. It's part of Comedy Victoria and hosted by me, Luke Morris. This week we talk to Amy Munro, who is a professional psychologist, and we talk about the stress of getting on stage, the feeling that you have to please people, which is the job in comedy. Uh, symptoms of anxiety, what does that even mean? Um, stress of ticket sales, of dealing with having some success and then the reality of going back to a normal job because most comedians have normal jobs that they do after they've done some shows. It's a rare, odd thing to work as a comedian. Uh, Very few jobs have a position where people in public think it's okay to insult the person while they're working which is very rare to have that while you're on stage but people sometimes feel like they can do it so how do we deal with that and even try to remember the things we have to say while we're up stage this episode is dedicated to the work of support act uh, they help people in the arts industry deal with the unique pressures in this job uh, People in the public practices, they have employee assistant programs. In the arts, they have Support Act. And there's a wellbeing helpline, 1-800-959-500 and more support you can find at Support Act. Uh, If you find that this podcast is supportive for you with education and tips like who you can turn to, please support it by becoming a member of Comedy Victoria. Go to the website comedyvictoria.com.au or follow at Comedy Vic and uh, you'll get a good feeling and you might also get or you will also get a newsletter which gives you links to show opportunities and things like Support Act. But let's now jump to the interview and dissect the frog of dealing with stress on stage with Amy Munro. Can I ask, let's start off with what is stress? I think that's probably the best place to start if we're going to, we've got to define terms in science. So we're going to kind of go for a scientific definition of stress, like what's happening in the body or because stress is relative. You know, some people, some people's stress would be other people's activation. Ah. The way you think about it, isn't it? Or the way you've been raised, there's lots of different components, but basically stress is just a chemical response to something that's happening. Cortisol and adrenaline builds up in your body, a bit like anxiety. Your body freaks out a bit, but it really is just the way you look at stress that makes it stress. Ah. Because yeah. most people would look at the way you say activation, lots of people, I suppose it's the fight or flight response. A lot of people will be thinking of stress as being something that makes us uh, terrified of going into an action and doing it, which is, yeah. um, no. also you're, you're, you're saying that for a lot of people, and it's true, uh, that, uh, tentative or that almost fear component is what activates them, gets them sort of their brain active enough for them to, in the comedy world, perform on stage. So everybody's yeah. stressed. I see it. Everybody's stressed before going on. Some people yeah. just react to it differently. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's also, the, we know that the way you view stress, if you see stress as a negative, oh, I'm really stressed, it's going to have a really bad effect on me and everything, then it's more likely to do negative things to your body in terms of physiology. But if you view stress as a positive thing, then it's less likely to do negative things to your body. Too. Okay. So, so when we're saying doing things to our body, this is where we have things like uh, or sweating, or all, all those natural things. You, yeah, you no, I mean long, t- long, long term damage. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like to gut health and to those kind of things. Oh. Yeah, and your heart and your, you know. So if you're under constant stress, you can have those long term. Yeah. Issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's really bad for your body, but it really is the way you view it. But I guess the length of time is probably a significant thing too. You know, 
we're meant to have short-term stresses in our lives and then they resolve and we move on. We go, oh, didn't I do that well? I've learned a new skill. That was fantastic. But if they never resolve, like we see with, let's just say, uh, somewhere that's having a war, long-term stress then has a pretty significant impact and then turns into other mental health problems like PTSD and complex PTSD and stuff like that. It's the length of the stress that also has a negative impact. And so if you're going to be on stage for hours and hours and hours, then, you know, it could have a really bad effect on you. Yeah. Well, I'll draw an example that happened recently. I did a, um, a, a couple of shows at Sydney Fringe with a friend mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was approaching it, uh, I had different approaches to it. My friend actually really found it hard to eat. Mm. Was, was, and she, she thought she was sick. Um, yep. And uh, I, we, we, she got through the, se- the, the, the series season and then pretty much immediately the next day became ravenous. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the report back I got. Was like yeah. back back on food, and when you talk to say that that would be the sort of dangers of long term. That was only like a period of a week, yeah, or, or so. But yeah, if you were on a constant tour and you had that situation, that would be quite negative for your body, I imagine. Yeah, 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 and that, like you know, there's a difference between stress and anxiety too so it's sort of like they have really similar symptoms but that's also on the length of time and when it clicks over from stress to anxiety I guess is a hard one to define it does sound like perhaps your friend was starting to experience yeah, yeah, no stress yeah that's a hard there's probably a definite length of time you know the DSM-5 would sort of say probably after six months if you're still experiencing this, then it's anxiety or if it happens persistently, even though the stress has gone away, then it would be considered anxiety. So okay, it doesn't yeah. like someone's experiencing stress. And so, then, yeah, so specifically anxiety is that constant long-term yeah, thing. It's not just the stress the stressor, of leading up to yeah. a couple of gigs, which is... Yeah. Stressful, but not the. Uh, oh, it would be, especially yeah. at the Sydney Fringe. How did you go? And I go. I had a. Uh, I had what I termed a bad gig on Wednesday. Yep. Um, I got told it went well, but I did not enjoy it at all. Why um, not? Uh, the audience didn't particularly. Um, weren't very vocal. They were vocal oh, okay. at times. Yep. Um, and uh, but then on. Uh, oh. That was the Wednesday gig. The Friday gig was uh, one of those things out of the park. The audience basically knew exactly how to be an audience. They Yeah, they were generous. They were very generous. They gave me right. some very easy laughs early on and which made the, the laughs I knew I had, like from Wednesday's yep. gig, where I, I had to work on getting the, those those ones went like, three times as good as before. Because fantastic, um, because there's like you know there's all those components to comedy, and one of them is the generosity yeah. of the um, what do you call audience? I guess yeah, yeah, the audience. Yeah, I so something I was going to mention to you, Raul, off air. Uh, mm. I find doing a solo show much easier than being part of a lineup. Mm. And, some comedians find it the other way around. I heard someone on stage say they prefer to be part of a lineup because if the whole gig is bad, you know, they can blame <laughs> the promoter or another act or something. It's not just them. They was <laughs> just part of a, but if the solo show is bad, then it's uh, all their fault. Yes. Whereas I sort of feel like if I, I don't want to let the team down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> If I if I get up there and it doesn't work, I feel like I've just I've added to this suckiness. Whereas if it's if it's just me, it's fine. And also the audience is sort of committed to seeing me. They're not there with an extra person who just happens yep. to be me. It's <laughs> and, and they're, they're like, oh, we we really can't wait till um, 
Aiden Jones comes on, but yeah. before Aiden gets here, we've got five minutes of Luke Norris. Great. Uh, <laughs> we'll sit through this like the coming attractions to the movie, and then the movie can start. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is it judgment too? Like I would think that, you know, if you were a solo act, you could go, well, I just want a very generous crowd or I need to work on some of my jokes or whatever. But if they laughed at everyone else <laughs> and not you, they'd be like, shit, yes. you know, there's no getting around that. There's no cognitive dissonance in that, is there? You just kind of have to go, well, shit. Well, that's the thing. And uh, Danny McGinley, I think, in his uh, episode on this series, maybe he was then, he mentioned that you can, uh, being a stand-up comedian is a lot like being a, a boxer. You know when you've had a good or bad night. Yeah. Like it's yeah. very obvious. The yeah. Results. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> you, you either... I like that though. They, yeah. they could be, you know, that instant feedback could be good. Sometimes it's not good. Uh, sometimes, uh, like, uh, like I said, Friday night's gig, the instant feedback. I, after I got off stage, I was backstage shaking from yeah. sort of shock of how well it went, and I just thought, "There's no chance I can ever bottle that sort of audience again." Yeah, particularly because yeah, yeah. the 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 split between Wednesday and Friday being, I walked off stage Friday thinking, "How do I fix this?" Uh, it was yeah. on, on Wednesday thinking, "How do I fix this?" And then Friday, yeah. I basically. I almost did nothing different, hmm. and actually, I did. I did do a few things different, which I I think helped. But yep. you know, ninety five percent of the show was exactly the same show. Ninety. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, if we look at it in terms of uh, how does someone going into a solo show hmm. cope with the pressure? How would you do? You have any tips on coping with pressure of being of the expectation being solo or being within a, a group? Is there any? You, you say you, so, sorry for this bumbling, but at the start you said it depends on how people approach the stress. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to be stressed in both those situations. I guess I approach the solo show being it's I'm in control, whereas. Mm. I feel less in control in the other situation. But what are your tips? Yeah, yeah. well, I guess it's it's about your your values and beliefs around the two different things, solo show or group show. If you've got an underlying value and belief that you don't want to be the weakest link, you don't want to let everyone down, then you're going to get more stress. So or what, you know, it's the thinking. So if you can kind of examine your thinking going, this is what I'm doing, this is this is the catastrophe I kind of am envisaging and change that, then you'll be able to look at the stress a different way. So there's the thinking, the cognitive part of it. So instead of going, oh, I don't want to let the team down, I don't want to be the worst person on stage, you know, this would be terrible if everyone came away from this show thinking, God, if they just hadn't have had that Luke guy, what was <laughs> we talking about? Yeah. Um, and went into it, how can I make my part of this group show support everyone else? How can I learn from this as a member or whatever, change that thinking? Then, I guess you know, that's, that's, yeah, that, that is something I've, I've... I've sort of worked on back when I did do a lot of uh, lineup shows, I mm. would approach it as what am I getting out of this? Yeah. And I didn't particularly like that approach because it it, <laughs> it should be about what's one of my, you know, the audience should be having a good time. It's not about me. Yeah. But I found, I guess I found it a lot easier to, um, we're, we're better on stage when we're not stressed usually. Yeah, we were a bit more relaxed. Yeah. yeah. But I guess going into it and going, well, the audience should have a good time. That's what this show should be about. Yeah, that's that's what you that's what you that the measure of your outcome should be. But you can't I can imagine that pitching a show just for audience laughs would mean perhaps you would become a comic like people I won't mention who are just there for those cheap, easy laughs. And because you're playing to the room, 
So I could think, and it's too many people to play to as well. You've got to play to yourself, don't you? A bit on stage, get something out of it. I don't well, know. The, way, the way you described it made me think of writing material. Yeah. And, uh, and often when you're writing something, sometimes you make yourself laugh, but sometimes yeah. you think, well, that's where the audience is going to laugh. That's where the yes. laugh is going to be. Yeah. And then you get on the stage and you start reciting or reading or whoever yeah. you are, however you do it. And then they don't laugh when they're supposed to. And yes. that immediately throws your brain off. It's like, oh, no. Yeah. What if they're going to laugh at the next point where they're supposed to laugh? They should have their script. They're not yeah. reading their script because they've That's got right. roles to play and they're not doing it. And that yeah. causes stress. Yeah. And then the brain starts lo- you lose your confidence and all that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So some easy practical stress tips because going into the cognitive component of anything is really tricky and takes a really long time and is really difficult. You know, mindfulness, everyone talks about being mindful. What does that actually mean? A really easy one is to just start using your opposite hand for things when you're stressed. So it's really hard to do and you have to think about it. So if you're right-handed, you use your left hand. Left hand. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a really easy mindful Why would that help? Because your brain has to think about it. And if you're thinking about that, it's really hard to think about what you're stressed about. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... You can practice it just in everyday life and get moments of mindfulness and get better at mindfulness. Like, oh, today I'm going to open all doorknobs with my left hand or whatever, or brush my teeth with my left hand, which is actually really challenging to do. You should try it. Um, But you can use it in stressful moments and, you know, um, like driving a car. If you're going to work, and you always sort of sit with your right hand on the wheel and your, you know, left hand kind of resting. If you swap that over, your brain has to go, oh, this is actually quite challenging. And when you get to work, you've kind of had a mini mindfulness workout and you get there. So that's just one you can do. Left-handedness. That's cool. Well, yeah. you know, you have to do it to get any benefit out of it. The idea is <laughs> that's Yeah, I, I, I really struggle with it because I forget to do it, and that's like a lot of people. You know, we always go, oh, deep breathing, that'll help reduce stress and anxiety, which it really does. Um, but you have to practice the skill, and lots of people will come and go, oh, it didn't work. And I'm kind of like, yeah, well, did you practice beforehand because you can't kind of get into a crisis and then try to employ a technique because it won't work as well as what it could if you practiced it. So, you know, practicing mindfulness, practicing stress reduction techniques, relaxation, guided meditation, Um, you know, that relaxation when we scrunch up your body parts and then you release them with a big deep breath. It's got a name which escapes me right now. I've seen actors do it in there before they go on stage. Yeah, that sort of stuff. You know, I like that one. That's one of my favourite ones because you can clench your hands or your toes anywhere and breathe out when you release. It's that body activation of it's kind of based on the idea that stress and anxiety are based on a feedback loop. You know, you have the thought, you get the chemical release, you get a physical response, you get a behaviour. So if your physical response is, oh, I'm relaxing, I'm deep breathing, I'm relaxing my muscles, I'm then the brain kind of gets less of a stress feedback and, and less of an anxiety feedback. So it calms down a bit. So it's just trying to base it on that feedback loop. And then hopefully our thoughts will calm down and then we'll relax and we'll go on stage and we'll be amazing. Well, that I th- one of the things I learned when I studied psychology was on memory. Um, mm. How uh, one of the big stresses for lots of people is what if I forget my lines? What if mm. I forget what I'm supposed to be saying? Mm. That going into a test, they did some studies. Um, people who uh, tried to cram leading into the test um, didn't do as well as those who just tried to relax. Because yeah, okay. your memory works better when, when you're, you're not stressed. Yeah, as long as you've done the practice and the study like the mm. weeks beforehand. Mm. Um, 
the learning. You'll re, you'll be able to access those parts of the brain to remember those things much easier, mm. you know, in a relaxed state than you'll be in a stress state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true for all of us because stress and anxiety kind of designed to shut off the frontal lobe so we're not kind of running away from the stress going oh i need to watch out for that stick sticking up and i need to oh there's a hole you're just kind of mindlessly running or escaping from it so it's kind of you know it's that chemical response in our brain that kind of makes us be able to flee the kind of general rule with stress or anxiety zero no anxiety or stress 10 sort of running and screaming down the road kind of in panic five and below on that scale you can think your way through but five and above you kind of have to exercise your way through it because it's gone too far so you need a physical response you need to go for a walk burn off some of the adrenaline and cortisol get them back get those um drink drink a bottle of water left-handed or right-handed yeah 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 Try to brush your teeth or have, you know, like a really, a good one is for mindfulness is having a really strong mint or one of those warhammer, warhead, sorry, warhammer, get some aliens and come and kill you. Um, <laughs> one of those warhead lollies that are really yeah. sour and yeah. put them in your mouth and focus on that because it's a really big um, experience in your mouth. So you you're less, you ha- it's easier to focus on, less likely to think about the stressful things you that are going through your head in those moments. So mm. those kind of big things are good too. A yeah. question that was sort of um, quite related that somebody asked, I, I said I was going to speak to uh, a psychologist and I got uh, some feedback from somebody who said they wanted to know about uh, relating to the brain, how can you trigger flow state? And I replied saying, I'll ask that. I don't know what that is. Can you tell me what flow state means? Uh, Oh, do you know? They they gave me an explanation, but do you know what they would be? What was was their explanation? Their their explanation was getting in a focused mental state where you are creative. Oh, like alpha and beta wave sort of stuff? Uh, I don't know. I actually thought if you're trying to be creative, Focusing on being creative seems yeah. uh, a, a, a juxtaposition. What's the what's the word where you don't with the oxymoron? Oxymoron. But I think the perf- I think the the idea is how can you get in a flow state? Being how can you uh, uh, be in a state of mind where you're constantly thinking up new ideas or new things. If your, brain, your brain is flowing. Um, like, like, well, look, it's not a term I've ever heard of, but I'm assuming it's when you are so mindful, so in the present, mm. that your body and your brain feel like they're just kind of operating automatically, just yep. you know, going through you know the painting or the writing without interruptive thoughts kind of going oh that's a crap joke or that's you know whatever um i think you know and that i think that's got a bit to do with alpha and beta waves in the brain okay you know when you were driving your car and you you just kind of end up at work and you're kind of like i wasn't present for the majority of that drive yeah here i am i'm quite worried when that happens though yeah Yeah, but that's about alpha and beta waves in the brain. We kind of do that stuff through meditation, you know, mindfulness practice and stuff. I think you've just got to be really good at because anxiety and stress is about projecting ourselves into the future and going, I don't know if I can handle what might happen. We're kind of hypothesising about the future and what might happen. You know, I don't want to go on stage and forget my jokes or what if no one laughs or we're kind of present. We're not present. We're 10 minutes into our show and we're walking off stage and no one's laughed at us and we're dying in the back room. And we haven't even gone on stage yet. So I would assume that flow state has a bit to do with staying present, being mindful, being here rather than going into the present. I don't know, just a guess. 
So you, you, you to say you trigger it, you create it by being more mindful and not not um, uh, anticipating. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, you know the best way to do that kind of stuff is to do things like yoga and meditation all the time, so you can access it when you need to. It's not something I would be very good at. You well, you're not good at yoga or meditation. I like yoga. But I'm not very good at meditation. I have trouble being present. I'm glad you're here then. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I turned up. <laughs> I was worried, to be honest with you. We have, so was I. We have, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about if that stuff, some of it seems to just be about confidence, like the uh, not being stressed about what you're about to do. Mm. On stages or, or mm. uh, driving a car, you're so confident, you're so used to doing mm. it. You know, brushing your teeth right-handed if you right, if you yeah. naturally dominant right hand, you don't even think about it. But as soon as you have to do something slightly different, yes, and and that's a weird thing for people in stand-up because, uh, for the most part, you're always to a different audience, and mm. even though what you're about to say you should be confident in you you never really feel 100% confident that the room is going to be good or the mm. you, mm. that's a weird thing in the in the industry you, you can't for the most part you can't be um you can't just turn up as as an accountant and the numbers are still the numbers cuz mm. the, the numbers don't always add up the same in comedy you you're, human you're, variability you're in, yeah you're in an environment where things are going to be constantly changing and you're hmm. supposed to be you're supposed to exude confidence <laughs> yeah i think there's a difference between confidence and automatic behaviors okay yep um and i guess if you wanted to increase confidence within a comedy gig you would know your show so well that that wasn't a variable within it. So because that's the other thing about stress and anxiety is, you know, I encourage people to kind of control what you can, understand what you can't control and be okay with that. So the more factors we can control, the less anxiety we have, but or stress, but a lot of us try to control factors that we have no control over at all. We can't control the audience. That's not even a factor that should enter into our, hang on, excuse me for a second, Luke. There's a bit of percussion in the background. I um, thought you were joining a band. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was in a band. How cool would that be? Yeah. Um, factors uh, you com- can't control. Yeah. Yeah. So if you... Focus on the factors you can control, your performance, your jokes, the way you deliver it, where you're going to stand on stage, what you're wearing, all those really practical factors and have them under control, feel confident about them, but really understand what you can't control and that is who turns up to your show. Well, that's, that's that was a, Yeah, that was a question I was going to ask because a lot of the stress seems with this is ticket sales you know we've got to you've got to make money through getting people to turn up so you've got to worry about people being there or not which is just a weird extension to i'm going to worry about what i'm going to say to them when they get here but gosh i hope somebody gets here well isn't there that rule in performance where if there's more members on stage than there are in the audience then you don't have to put the show on oh I didn't know that. That's not in most ticket sale uh, contracts, terms and conditions. I think if it's, you know, an empty room, you don't have to actually do the gig. Oh, if there's an empty room. Oh. But if if there's one person. If the gig happens to an empty room, did the gig happen at all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll start clapping with one hand. Um, But, you know, I think there's a, Alan Davis does a joke where he's kind of like doing a gig on stage, but there's only two members in the audience and the one of the audience members says, would you like one of us to leave so you can go home or something like that? Because, ah. so, you know, there was more members in the audience than there was on stage. That's a, that's a very savage heckle. 
Yeah, well, that's what I was basing my, all that, what I just said on is Alan Davis on QI. So, yeah, <laughs> whereas I want most of my knowledge comes from. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. That's fine. No, he's, he's good. Uh, he's got some great tips on uh, remembering, again, one of the stresses people have is remembering their lines. And I think the best I've done on, on the stage and probably is what happened on Friday night when the show went really well was mm. I was remembering parts of the show that I hadn't written down yeah. because I was so used to like rehearsing the lines that I was going to say that yeah. the brain could suddenly play around while yeah. I was on the stage and say, yeah. oh, yeah, instead of just saying the next line you were going to say, don't remember to say this other line as well because that yeah. that was good when you said it a year ago yeah, and yeah i yeah. thought gosh brain I, I you know mid-show while i'm talking i'm having yeah. a thought to my brain saying gosh brain that's a good good ad i better add that since it's in now yeah, yeah. that worked thanks brain let's keep yeah. going with the stuff you've been telling me to say yeah 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 but is that that's about that show We've learned that show so much now that it's automatic, so you can play around with it. Yeah. So the confidence increases, so then the quality of the performance increases. Yep. You know, I think that's really, I think that's what I do every day in my office is I've gone over this material so much, so much, so much that I can kind of add different theories in different parts in now and tailor things to the person sitting in front of me rather than just going, well, you know, CBT says we should learn deep breathing. Right, breathe in, breathe out, you know, which is perfectly good therapy too for therapists out there. No, breathing is good. but Lots of people do it. Um, <laughs> Not well though, Luke. No. I, I am real. I hold my breath. I'm told. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. And which is another mindfulness, <clears throat> excuse me, throat, another mindfulness technique we can use is every time we open the fridge, take three deep breaths because we all hold our breath, all of us, especially if we're, you know, stressy type A people. So if we put regular things in, like every time we get in the car, we take three deep breaths, we increase our practice in deep breathing, but also just that instant relaxation that you can get from deep breathing if you practice it enough. And for those who know me, I do running. And one of the things I'm, I've am i read and discovered that uh, in between reps of a running um, training mod module, um, mm -hmm. slow controlled breathing slows down the heart rate, which mm -hmm. helps performance. Yeah. Um, it also helps stress and anxiety because heart rate is one of the feedback loops we get from the body to tell us we're stressed. Gut health is also, is, you know, I've, I've read the book. Sorry? Segway, yeah. <laughs> gut, gut health, yeah. And is, I've read that that's the third, the second brain is your gut. Yeah. Uh, because it, um, what does it produce? It produces stuff, not just, <laughs> not just poo at the end of the whole process of putting food in, um, uh, hormones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm just wondering about going back to my friend who had um, trouble eating. Is, mm. I suppose the only tips we've got to how to overcome stress, uh, 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 an anxiety that causes that kind of uh, response. Mm is to be consciously aware of it and to, you know, try and push down a banana or two extra or something. Trying to um, consciously, if, if you find yourself tapping away because on, on something because you're stressed, you know, like you said, use it, uh, do something with the other hand so that you can distract your brain from the stress. And mm -hmm, if you mm -hmm. constantly are aware that you've stopped eating or exercising as much as you used to, consciously just forcing yourself to do that yeah 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 <clears throat> look definitely exercise is really going to help because it'll burn up the adrenaline and cortisol the reason why your friend 
couldn't eat is because part of that stress or anxiety response, the fight, flight, freeze response, is to take away, um, well, is to get you ready to defend yourself or to you run or whatever. And part of that is emptying the gut. That's why we also vomit or get diarrhea. We're kind of going, well, I'm not sending as much blood to the gut because I'm sending it to my muscles because I think I might have to fight my way out of this or I'm going to have to run really fast. So the gut doesn't work as well. So then hence we get, you know, upset, you know, upset tummy or, you know, not feeling like we need to eat. I don't know whether forcing food in is a good idea because it's just going to come out again wrongly. It's going to cause us stress as well. You know, making sure you're really well hydrated, going for a walk or doing some really quick exercise. Squats are great. Sit-ups are great. You can do them anyway. You look like an idiot, but it will help reduce the adrenaline and the cortisol in the body, which will help the gut work a bit better and the brain. So, you know, there are there are really quick and easy things you can do to reduce stress. Oh, that's Have good. Weird, you know, although that might upset you, tell me a bit. But, I, the, you know, the mint thing, the strong mint thing is a technique I used when I was really young. Sitting on public transport used to freak me out because I was worried that I'd miss my stop. Really silly you know, but it, it used to freak me out. Yeah. So as soon as I felt that, I'd chuck a mint in, it'd burn my mouth off, and I wasn't stressed as stressed anymore because that's yeah. something else to think about that was awful. Yes, I'm just awful imagining mint. that, yeah, burning <laughs> your mouth replaces the stress of missing a stop because you've burnt your mouth. That's a... yeah. yeah, it works. It's a technique that works, Luke. Do you know, do you know what a technique that I thought worked for me? I think I've yeah. told you this. I mean, um, after all uh, isolations that we had recently, uh, to get back on the stage, one thing I did was um, I got a virtual reality headset mm. um, and just used that to simulate because there's an auditorium um, uh, video on I think it's I think it's just on YouTube, and yeah. if you you can you can quite easily split that and you know twenty dollars for one of those put your phone in uh, headsets and I just sort mm-hmm. of stood there and moved around and, and looked at pretending mm-hmm. to be in an auditorium with a whole bunch of people staring at you and mm-hmm. that was quiet. That's visualisation literally, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. the um, imagining yourself in a room but you yeah, naked. looking, yeah, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't understand the benefit of doing that. Have you ever understood the benefit of telling people to imagine the audience is naked? No, I just it'd just be embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd I'd be I'm... worried about why am I not naked? <laughs> why would all these people pay to see this clothed person on stage? Yeah, yeah you you um, suddenly you've gone to a nudist colony gig and yeah. didn't get the, all the information. Yeah. And you're overdressed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel awkward for them. Yeah. I'd, no, I've never, I've never tried it personally or told someone else to do it. But I do love visualisation. You said you thought it helped. Yeah. It did help or you just kind of like it should have helped but it didn't? Uh, no, no, I think it helped. I think it helped. And I, Fantastic. And maybe maybe some of that is the, the positive uh, thought of, um, knowing that visualizations uh, statistically have shown, yep. uh, what was it? There was a, there was a study of people uh, shooting uh, basketball hoops, yes. and um, what was the, the result was that they had people who imagined doing it with the correct technique versus yep. people who practiced doing it, and the people who imagined doing it in at at the end of the week during the test time did better than the yeah. people who physically got out there and practiced and practiced and had uh some negative feedback because in their training they would miss some whereas yes. the people who were visualizing it just visualized <clears throat> things going in yep yeah yeah yeah. i think there is you know visualization is a great technique you know, i'm really glad it worked for you i like that idea of the vr stuff you know being able to walk around sort of well you know 
move around in that space and really get a feel for it because it's one of the things you can can control you know you've eliminated another thing you're not just walking out you know and going oh there's all these people looking at me or whatever yeah. i don't know the space so it's another thing you can control it's one of the factors you know that you do have control over and you should try it, the only caveat i'd put on that is sometimes we do try to control things to reduce our anxiety and stress and then that gets out of control the control uh, yeah eating, eating disorders cleaning disorders those kind of things can sort of stem from trying to control something that we actually can't yeah they get a little out of control so there's you know there's a end to the how much that is a benefit but you know if you temp you know mostly stable it's a good one but getting, I suppose, for people who are worried, getting to a gig uh, early and seeing what it's like to be on that stage is yeah. potentially something that could. Oh, uh, a lot, a lot of people probably, and I've gigged with them, seem to just think, "No, I'll just get up there and it'll be fine." But yeah. I, I always personally, I always feel more comfortable because I get up there and I can see, oh, this is how high I am above the people, or this is how it looks when I look over. Hmm. that's where the lighting is that was one of the hmm. problems with wednesday's gig for me that went badly i hmm. walked on stage and uh the audience was basically totally in black and i had a very shiny light on my face straight into hmm. my eyes hmm. and one of the things i changed for the friday gig that went well was i had the audience a little bit in light not yep. terribly bright but enough that i could see, see them people yeah. And so I could see positive feedback from the people happy there. Yeah. And that also washed the light down in my eyes so I could feel mm. like um, there was a connection to the audience. Mm. Which, yeah. That, that, yeah, that would be much nicer. It'd be like playing to an empty room, especially if they weren't giving you a lot of feedback during it, the show. Can I ask, is, is there room, time, I know, space, when you're on stage to change some of those things mid-gig to go, oh, that light's really fucking bright. No, sorry, swearing on your podcast. No, that's all that's right. Um, I think I think there probably is, but it does depend. Also, again, on, on the stress, me on stage pointing out something's going wrong, I don't think adds to the mood or I don't feel like I want to point out more things that I feel are going wrong. <laughs> yeah, but that would make you more comfortable yeah so but does I, it, I, yeah no i'm just, just I'm just imagining then that if me saying hey can we have the lights up on the audience because i want to be able to talk to them does that make the audience react better <laughs> yeah i i just i think you know it sounds to me like you're if we just take that little example it sounds to me like you're going, well, I couldn't because I'd be worried about all these other factors, even though this yeah. one factor I know is actually affecting me. So yeah. I won't do anything about it because I'm concerned about factors that might happen that probably won't. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything worse than standing on stage and having a, a, a light that was actually physically uncomfortable for me. Yeah. That's not going to enhance your performance. So a lot of the times we don't change things that we know make us feel uncomfortable because we're worried about these imaginary factors that might happen. Well, uh, imagining what the audience, well, that's the thing. In stand-up, we, we anticipate what the audience should be doing, which is laughing. But yes. we don't know there's all the other things that we're trying to anticipate that they will or won't do, which we, is totally out of our control. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mostly. yeah. And if you feel more comfortable, you're going to have a better show. But I just know in everyday life we do it all the time and we always say to people, why didn't you say something? No, oh, I didn't want to, you know, oh, I just wasn't sure if that was okay and just encourage everyone to kind of go, hey, you know, can you turn your lights down? They hurt my eyeballs, you know, whatever it is that we need because imaginary stuff really ruins our lives unless it's me imagining winning Powerball because that's really Good. Well, that's just giving you optimism. Does optimism like help with your life? 100%. Releases good chemicals in our brain, makes us feel happy. You know, I, you know, there's that, I have this idea, and it's probably not my idea, I probably stole it from somewhere and <clears throat> can't reference them. 
we think of negative, we're, we're designed to be negative, we're designed to think of all the negative things that could happen and to anticipate it and sort them out. But that releases really negative chemicals in our brains, makes us stress, makes us anxious. And I'm kind of like, well, I just, I don't want to do that. I want to have positive things in my brain. I want to have positive chemicals. I want to practice positive thoughts. So, so I have nice chemicals in my brain and I feel a bit better. You have to work at it harder. Yeah, but this is this comes down to a weird balance though, because if you try and be positive about uh, not your co- career in comedy or something like that, you might think, "Oh, I should go do this gig. I could, I should go to a regional Victoria. I'll go to every pub and club, and I'll sell heaps of tickets because everyone will want to come and see me." And then uh, it's Doesn't a happen. lot harder than that. <laughs> yeah, but there's nothing wrong with anticipating feeling confident on stage or that based on evidence, you know, the audience are going to laugh at some of this, you know. There's nothing wrong with actually having, you know, some optimism. A little bit, not delusional, like, you know. Um, I have got a question because we've got, we're sort of running up on time. And there's one topic that I thought would be fun to discuss, which is actually mm. let's let's imagine things do go well. And this is this happened to me. So after Friday night, I had a really good gig. I was a bit, I, I was shocked. Um, and uh, then uh, came, flew back to mm-hmm. Melbourne, back to the house, mm-hmm. and just is gone from. Uh, uh, yeah, it's gone from the high of a room full of people having a great time, you, you know, orchestrating that and going through a, a different city and seeing some great sights and, and things. And then mm-hmm. it's just back to normality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to say depression, but it is, it, it is a, a, a letdown. It's sort of just like, yeah. ah. I mean, literally, after the gig, I was walking back to the hotel room think, and uh, and thinking, oh, this is a bit sad. I'm just going back to sleep now. It's, yeah. I don't you know, were like, I, a, you were like yeah. a bride after a honeymoon. I was, yes, I <laughs> guess. Um, I don't think I can really uh, speak to what a bride feels like after a honeymoon. Well, you know, you know, but, I when you come back from holidays and it's kind of like, oh. Yeah. So oh, you want to, you know. It is a big letdown to have gone from, you know, you've got all the endorphins, I guess the endorphins, all the um, hmm. uh, serotonins and all the, you know, things. things going off in the brain and then it's. Yeah. You, you, you struggle, oh, I struggle to find a way to refeed that sitting at home. Adjust. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I suppose we would want. You know, if I was being a really good psychologist, I, that's when I'd say, oh, look, that's when you should do some yoga, help your body kind of just relax um, and get back to a more sustainable level of being. You know, yeah. we can't, if we want to be on that high all the time, then, you know, that'd be a bit of an adrenaline junkie. We'd have to be throwing you out of a plane every day and, Getting you to start doing some parkour or something. I'm 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 I'm, to be honest with you, I know I don't know anyone personally, but there are Mm. rumours within the industry, um, and um, they're they're very people who know who I'm talking about. Uh, Mm. Not not no one I know personally, but people do often take drugs after gigs because they miss that. Yeah. That that's that's a simulation of the high. Yeah, one hundred percent. We like it feels good why wouldn't we want to extend that but you know humans are essentially lazy creatures we want to get it easy so drugs are just you know they're an easy way to or using alcohol to bring ourselves back down to a more you know sustainable level yeah it works but it's not great so we all have good coping strategies and negative coping strategies that both help us cope you know, it's just the effect they have on your body. So doing something like going for a walk and thinking about all the positives you got from the gig, 
how you're going to integrate that into your next one, you know, doing a bit of forward planning, going, oh, well, this doesn't have to remain here. This doesn't have to be over. I'm not going to go. And then what's next? Yeah. Yeah, what's next? How am I going to make this, you know, a gig better next time? I really liked that bit, you know, kind of integrating those positive chemicals into a forward positive for your life is, you know, doing it's going to be beneficial rather than going home and going, well, that's it. It's done. Mm. I'll never get that again. Let's get a bottle of wine out and yeah, drink that. and Yeah. Which we, you know, which we all, which everyone but me does because I don't drink. Because yeah. <clears throat> I don't need it. Um, oh, okay. Oh, look. Uh, replace wine if insert your uh, addictive habit there. Yeah. Negative um, kind of strategy. Yeah. Positive ones are would be forward planning in a good way, going for a walk, doing some yoga. Maybe if a person, I can't imagine on the road, it'd be hard, but maybe um, having a chat to a friend as well. Yeah. Doing some connection. That's good. That's, that was, I'm looking at anything else I'd plan to talk about, and it was planning how to plan to deal with stress. We've talked about that. Why stand-up will have stress. It's all the expectation of what we're thinking yeah. is going to happen. Yeah, 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 for sure. But it'd be a really hard gig, Luke. Ah, it's very few industries where the audience feels like it's okay for them to abuse the person on stage. Mm. Uh, and well, not just on the person who's you know doing their, their job. I, I yeah. catch the bus and see all these signs saying it's never okay to offend the yeah. person working, working, and I think, oh, if only we could have that in some gigs. They're, they're very rare when it happens. I, I the, the whole idea of uh, the heckling, abusing the audience is, um, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's very rare. It's, it's, and it, and it is always much scarier for the person on stage to have the people randomly in the crowds. Um, often the crowd is afraid that the person on stage is going to talk to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Horrific. Uh, yeah, the the front row of most gigs is always empty because yeah. people think. Yeah, it's like Nina Conti when she puts masks on people and gets them up on stage. One of my favourite shows. Ah. I really want to go. I really want to do the masking and be on stage. But, yeah, you can see the horror in people's eyes when they're on stage with Nina Conti. <laughs> Love it. But they don't have to do anything. Yeah, but it's just everyone's looking at them. And Nina's, you know, she's a funny lady. She, okay. she could make you say anything. Yes. Uh, so she does a sort of ventriloquism act. Yeah. If I say yeah. sort of, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to remember whether or not, because some, some people who use puppets, this is what she's doing, she's using puppets. Some people use puppets. I saw Jim Henson. Just yeah. by and by, uh, um, the Muppets. He created the Muppets. He was a puppeteer. He was not a ventriloquist. He was just out of shot. And yeah. he's he even did interviews with uh, Kermit the Frog. Was his famous puppet. He did yeah. interviews as Kermit sitting next to him. And he and somebody said, "You don't, you're not a ventriloquist." He said, "No, the the puppet's more interesting than me. Why would anyone look at me?" Yeah. <laughs> True, it's true, but I do, yeah, yeah. I, I want to be on Nina Conti's show with one of those masks on. So she's, you know, looking for people. Nina. Um. All right, just just very quickly. Oh, well, I have two questions. Two questions before we sum up. Um, right. If someone's thinking of starting comedy, that whole idea of getting on stage, like you said, they get quite afraid. Mm -hmm. Um. We've talked about all the mindfulness and, you know, think about what you don't anticipate what the audience is going to do, mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. look at what you're trying to get out of it yep, so that practice. it's more about what you practice so that you feel yep. like what confident. you're going to say is confident yep. so you can, in a stress state, still have those yep. things. But, but I think too, Luke, you said something about you wanting to – not play to the audience, but give the audience what they want. Yeah. I guess another strategy would be I'm not here in terms of how good I am. It doesn't matter if I make an ass of myself on stage because yeah. this is all for the audience in terms of, 
you know, embarrassment is probably, it's a huge emotion. It's one of those negative emotions that human have, you know, shame, guilt, embarrassment to make us change our behaviour. So if you're embarrassed on stage, it's going to feel really uncomfortable. And the way we kind of deal with embarrassment when there's none really to be had, you, this is a place you're putting yourself in, you want to be up on stage, you want people to be looking at you, why else would you be there, is to get rid of that feeling of embarrassment. You know, go and do some embarrassing things beforehand and be okay with embarrassment. I'm really happy to make an ass out of myself quite regularly. Love it. It's good. Interesting it's you say fun. you want to get on stage because you want people to look. I know, I know, I, that's the part of the show I hate. I hate being the one on stage. I like it. I, I like writing. And I think a lot of comedians have that. They, they prefer the writing side of thing. And it's the fact that the, they can't also afford to pay an actor to go talk on stage. So they do it themselves. <laughs> it's sort of the. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. Very well, you common. guys, though, you know, if, if that's the case, then you kind of have to be really okay with being embarrassed and making an ass out of yourself. Go for it. Life's too short to be embarrassed. Just ah, be you. Normal, but yeah. It, it um, is. It is. But if embarrassment is a mechanism of social change, then why is it in that situation? There's no social change that needs to happen other than a lot of us, especially in Australia, we have this you kind of like, well, don't put yourself out there, don't brag, don't, you know, stay in your lane kind of stuff. But, you know, embarrassment, big factor. Get rid of it. Join me in the non-embarrassing life of do whatever you want. It's well, not. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, confidence for, for, for many people, the um, uh, someone who's confident is the person who's doing something different and isn't bowing to the mechanism of social change. Because yeah. they believe what they're doing is yeah. is right, yeah. Um, as scary as some people make that sound. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A- what I'm doing is right. I'm not you know, sometimes take on social etiquettes, uh, yeah. please. But yes, uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, please yeah. and thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between Donald Trump confidence, though. Yes, and actual confidence too we want to be more oh this is going to be good this is going to be fun i don't have to be embarrassed not i am right and i'm just going to talk really loudly and why aren't you all laughing at me you're all fools you don't understand good comedy (laughs) (laughs) they don't understand the style that's all that's right that's right what's wrong with them i I just feel like mentioning because we talked about how normal it is Dry mouth. I've only had dry mouth a couple of times on stage, and I've realised mm-hmm. that that's a trigger of stress. Um, yeah, and I response. can't remember why, but it was something that I thought, "Oh, I'm dry mouth. Oh, that means I'm stressed. Oh, mm. that's normal. Yeah, uh, shaking normal, not eating. Yep. Oh, yep. So normal, normal, but not um, right. not as useful because you do want to have energy. But yes, but you probably got a lot of energy because of the cortisol and adrenaline in your body. So yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, those are normal things forgetting things oh yeah normal Normal. normal. go for a walk have a good mint do some deep breathing try to remain present Uh, last question normally on this series the last question I ask people who work in the comedy industry is why comedy Yeah. Um, I I understand that you don't work specifically in the comedy industry but (laughs) I thought I'd ask what do you like about it? Comedy. You talk about Nini, Nina Conti and you, you go oh. to some gigs and you are, are agreeing to be part of this. So yeah. why what, what, what are you interested? Why do you, why do you like it? Um, I think, well, you know, comedy is subversive. It makes us think. You know, I like to laugh. I like, I like, I don't know. You know, my major criticism of when I go to a comedy gig is that wasn't very intelligent. Yep. I like being made to think about things in a different way. And I think that's when comedy's done really well, that's what it can really do. It can make us look at things just 
amazingly and it's hysterical you know I don't get to think much so having someone help me think is really nice especially if I'm laughing at the same time it's good I think that's a great ending thank you Amy thanks Luke (laughs) that was another good episode thank you for listening to Dissecting a Frog presented by Comedy Victoria to support this podcast and hear about upcoming gigs and opportunities, become a member, visit the website comedyvictoria.com.au and follow on social media at Comedy Vic. You can track down myself, Luke Morris, at Luke Morris Ha, but please don't take all this comedy talk too seriously because as EB and Catherine Wright wrote, humour can be dissected as a frog can, but the thing dies in the process. <laughs>